This is Center Stage, putting lawyers in the spotlight by highlighting attorneys and other industry experts to help take your law firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson. And this week, uh, really fun topic this week. Um, It's one that uh, I don't know a whole lot about, but I'm really interested in, and that is uh, the exploding world of cryptocurrencies. And obviously, you know, this show's geared toward lawyers. So we're going to be talking a lot about how uh, you could potentially have a practice area around cryptocurrency. We may be talking about uh, some ethical issues around crypto and just what all of that can mean moving forward. Um this week, my guest, uh, attorney Yev Muchnik, uh, she is here to code, hopefully simplify cryptocurrency because I have yet to find anyone who has a, a, an understandable definition of exactly what it is. Um, and then she's going to walk us through uh, some areas to consider as we move forward. So Yev, thank you so much for taking some time to join us today. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an utter pleasure to be um, on with you. So I'm excited for this, this session today. Awesome. So yeah, before we jump in, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself, your law firm, and just kind of how you got into crypto in the first place. Sure. So uh, as John mentioned, and I apologize in advance, I do have a little bit of a a summer cold going on. So there may be a little bit of of coughing and and hoarseness, but um, luckily it's not the the dreaded virus. No, it's not the bad one. Um, So I... um, I'm a corporate and securities attorney by um, by experience, by practice, and, and started with a, a big law firm um, as a junior associate in their corporate and M&A practice groups. Um, so really built a nice, solid foundation on, um, on securities law, which has really helped me kind of um, <laughs> try to, to figure out kind of the existing landscape of of blockchain and cryptocurrency and virtual currencies. But um, I have been practicing for about 13 years now. Um, I have my own um, boutique transactional firm here in Denver, Colorado called Launch Legal. I'm also of counsel um, to a wonderful firm called Jason Weiner PC, uh, who specialize, and they specialize in cooperatives and exit to community and um, employee ownership models. So been a really nice bridge of being able to combine a lot of these um, merging principles with kind of the traditional uh, basis for for securities and corporate and financing and then merging them into this new world um, with kind of the intersection of web 3.0 and and um, and, the, and our legal practice so yeah. um, and I have I think by all accounts I'm considered a veteran in this space because I've been um, uh, in this world and trying to navigate it since about 2016, 2017, which is, uh, <laughs> which is for, for a nascent industry is, is a pretty long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think that this stuff has been around even that long. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess kind of before we jump into the weeds here, help me and, and help us understand like what is cryptocurrency? Is it, it obviously it's not like a real tangible thing, but like, is it like digital money? What is blockchain? Like, what are all of these words? Like, what does it mean? I mean, these are all big, big questions. <laughs> so um, I think the most important thing is to differentiate between, to, to start sort of your kind of deep dive into this area. 
um, by being able to differentiate between cryptocurrency and blockchain, which are two very different things. But cryptocurrency sort of derived um, from blockchain distributed ledger technology. And so um, I actually pulled up a, a definition of cryptocurrency as defined by the IRS. <laughs> so um, because there are so many regulatory agencies sort of um, involved at the moment in, in this industry, in the landscape, um, and there's not really clear-cut kind of bright line guidance. And so as practitioners, we've been trying to, you know, pick bits and pieces of whatever is available and um, uh, what the agencies are able to put out there. So I think the, the IRS does it really well, and they consider um, cryptocurrency at least as property and they tax it as property. Um, so they defined it as a type of virtual currency that uses cryptography to secure transactions that are digital, digitally recorded on a distributed ledger such as the blockchain. A transaction involving crypto is, that is recorded on the distributed ledger can be on-chain um, if it's on, on, on the blockchain or if um, it's not recorded on the distributed ledger technology, then it's off-chain. Um, and it's you know, some of the benefits, and there's a myriad of benefits, but some uh, often cited benefits is that it's an immutable ledger. So it's really difficult to um, counterfeit or to sort of um, meddle and, uh, you know, along the way as it's, it's, as it's already sitting on the, the DLT, on the blockchain, any kind of transaction or any kind of hash or input. Um, there's obviously, you know, questions as to, the initial input of it going onto the blockchain and whether that could be corrupted or whether, um, you know, there's any kind of fraud or, or counterfeiting that's available from that point. But again, that's another sort of longer discussion. So immutability um, and then uh, just the fact that, the, that it removes the, the central agent out of a lot of transactions that were um that we typically see, right? It's kind of a peer-to-peer -peer network. And because there are blocks that sort of replicate other blocks, um, then you sort of, you've got the, the Genesis block, which, you know, which is kind of the, the very first one. And then if there's any kind of um, interception or any kind of kind of wrongdoing, then um, they're able to, to kind of track that from a technology perspective. So um, I don't know if that, that breaks it down for you in a, in a more sort of uh, consumptive way that you understand, yeah. but generally speaking, um, cryptocurrency is a virtual currency and it's um, it's either convertible, which means that it can be used for value, whether it's um, like exchangeable into other types of currencies or whether it's value within a closed system. Um, yeah. And right. then the blockchain so, and blockchain makes it so. Got it. So that makes sense. So cryptocurrency is basically a product. If I if, if I if I'm you know simplifying it in my own language, it's cryptocurrency is basically the product of I guess whatever blockchain is doing. Um, mm -hmm. What I guess for a little bit more context, what exactly is blockchain? So blockchain is really this distributed um, ledger technology. It's kind mm -hmm. of the, the fundamental basis on which things can be built. So okay. whether it is a virtual currency or a token or a decentralized app or any kind of um, I don't know if I've protocol, so like yeah. Ethereum protocol or, or Bitcoin protocol or you know any any other kind of protocol. I won't yeah. throw out some 
it's more of the alt um, names out there. But um, yeah, so it's just the the, the, the the technology that makes it so. Got it. So, I mean, is it, I guess in a way, is it sort of like a, a, a more advanced version of like HTML or CSS, like these, these coding languages that we've used to build websites, but now this is something a little bit more advanced? Exactly. Yeah. I mean... Okay. So actually, cryptography has been around for for a very long time, um, and I think it was don't quote me on the uh, on the exact war, but I mean it was used as um, uh, like a method of uh, secure communications during First World War. I don't know, <laughs> but you know it, it's yeah. been around for a very long time. Yeah. Um, so the principle and the way that it's advanced, you know, is fueled by sort of where we kind of the Web three space that we have now. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Now I feel so much better because I, I think that it all finally clicked. All right. We have blockchain. <laughs> you had the aha moment. Yes. Yes. We have blockchain and it's the, the coding system for lack of a better term. And it's producing these cryptocurrencies that can't be counterfeited or it's extremely difficult to counterfeit them. And that is why so many people think that it's uh, the future of, you know, transactions and, and the future uh, way that, that we'll spend money. And that's why all of these uh, people are trying to get paid in Bitcoin and all of that now. So wonderful. All right. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a friction, friction, frictionless way to, to transact, right? That yeah. I don't need to rely on a bank to send you, you know, money or any kind of currency. And I could do that in seconds. Yeah. Um, and it's all on this public blockchain which you know you can't then go back and say oh you never sent it to me because then i can point to the, the blockchain and there's a hash that yeah um the evidence isn't so from kind of an evidence perspective you know it's it's very novel as way as well and can and influences even how we practice law right and how we take how we bring evidence into court yeah. So then let's talk about, let's talk about that's a great way to transition into this. Let's say that a lawyer wants to add issues around cryptocurrency as a practice area to their firm. You know, like what kinds of, what kinds of issues or cases would a lawyer handle with regards to cryptocurrency? And is there, you know, is there a practice area that sort of that already exists that sort of lends itself to fitting in with cryptocurrency. I know you mentioned IRS. So is that like, would a tax attorney be really good at that? Or would it be more maybe like a, an intellectual property attorney? Like where, who, who would really benefit from this? Yeah. I mean, I think it's actually, it's got sort of wide um, practice group uh, presence or potential presence. And um I mean, it kind of permeates a lot of, of practice groups. So I personally, you know, I deal with transactional and, and corporate and, uh, and securities. So from a securities perspective, you know, we're analyzing whether it was, you know, when it started in 2016, 2017, and through the 2018 era, um, we were looking at ICOs, which are initial coin offerings and trying to analyze whether um, they should be treated as securities or utility tokens and um, putting the lens of the Howey test on a lot of these issuances and how um, projects were trying to raise capital through these issuances. So that's one sort of perspective or lens. Um, and, and that continues through today. So, you know, there are a lot of projects that are, that are issuing um, various kinds of tokens, whether they're, governance tokens or their community tokens or social tokens or 
they're a vehicle for raising capital for kind of seed stage capital. So again, sort of um, kind of providing guidance on on how to from from compliance perspective, whether it's whether yeah. it, whether it's with the SEC or the CFTC um, and, and the thing, the steps that are needed to be taken by those companies and individuals that are pursuing that, pursuing that track. Um, uh, obviously, you know, there's kind of a, a, a sort of a new industry that has developed for lit- litigators as well um, and different kinds of fraud investigations and disputes and having to understand this, this whole new kind of taxonomy of, you know, what's happening on chain, right? If you're having, if you're using smart contracts to affect transactions, how do you go and, and dispute those transactions? Um, can you do them on chain as well? And there are a lot of movements where, where you can do so. Everything is, is like, you, you almost have like online ADR that's, that's on chain, which is, is pretty cool. Um, but for, I mean, fraud has always been uh, pretty topical in this space, right? Whether, you're using uh, crypto to perpetuate fraud or you're kind of defrauding investors. So that's, you know, from different angles, that's, that's a big, um, big topic. Um, Patents and intellectual property, as you, as you correctly mentioned. So that's a huge area, whether it's trademarks or patents or um, internet and digital media and content licensing and things like that. Um, Again, compliance and regulatory, so KYC, money transmitter laws, uh, money service businesses, um, things of that nature. Um, from my perspective, again, from corporate and, and securities, there's sort of a huge um, rise in the, for, in the use of alternative um, legal entity structures. So the DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization, is becoming increasingly popular, has been popular for a long time. Um, and now Wyoming affords the, the, the ability for um, these groups of people that are, you know, it's typically that don't use some kind of a kind of a legal vehicle or entity like an LLC or a corporation to be able to use that as a form to, to protect them from, from liability and to um, sort of be able to uh, kind of exclude fiduciary, certain fiduciary duties to other kind of partners instead of being deemed a, a, a general partnership by default. So that's been really interesting to see and to, to be a part of that as, as it's grown. But yeah. I mean, decentralization, decentralization and kind of distribution into networks and federations, it's, that's a huge kind of underlying premise um, in the crypto and blockchain communities. And it's something that it's, it's this very sort of purest way of looking at things that um, these groups come together to incentivize, to reward contributors and participants in their network in, in developing new um, technology or, you know, kind of com- community, general community collaboration. And like, the, the, there's a lot of philosophical principles in, in blockchain, which probably some people wouldn't expect, but that's kind of the angle that, that these communities come together and, and try to, to build them. And then they, you know, they operate in this way and then they're like, well, hold on a second. How do we contract with another entity that, that does need an entity? How do we open up a bank account? How do we sue? You know, do we have standing to sue if, if we're unincorporated, for example? Yeah. So just uh, a lot of interesting um, kind of novel 
areas of, of, yeah. of the law, I guess, or at least or at least trying to apply sort of what we know to what we think and then waiting for the regulators, regulators to come in and, and help um, guide us on some of these principles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of why, why a lot of this is unknown, because a lot of it is still really unregulated and we're trying to figure out, or at least the government's trying to figure out how to regulate all of that. You did mention like, uh, like litigation and stuff it is, I don't, I haven't heard of it happening yet, but do you think we'll get to a point where people will start suing in filing lawsuits and and try to get damages awarded in <laughs> cryptocurrency rather than U.S. dollars or, or whatever uh, currency the country they're in. That's a good question. I mean, I haven't seen it done as well, but I would imagine that you know you would like in a tort claim, right? You'd be um, you'd need to be put back into the position that you were prior to the tort, tort occurring, right? As as damages. So I would imagine that if that involves like holding a certain amount of cryptocurrency, um, then that could be something feasible to, to assert. Yeah. Cool. So let's, let's kind of transition now over to some just ethical issues. Um, Cause I know it's big for attorneys out there, um, whether they're like accepting it as a form of payment or maybe just, you know, drifting into dealing with some sort of legal issue that comes up. Like what are some of the ethics issues that attorneys should be considering? Yeah, I mean, and you should definitely be thinking about that. But um, there are a number of states that have issued their own ethics opinions on the subject matter and accepting crypto for services or some kind of virtual currency or digital assets. Um, and I mean, the general consensus is that you can do it, um, but there are definitely guidelines in, in doing so. So um, if you are accepting crypto for uh Kind of for services that have not yet been rendered and you're putting into your trust account, you would need to convert it on that day into fiat or some kind of, you know, U.S. dollars or legal tender um, that's recognizable by the U.S. So, it's, so that it doesn't have that volatility and fluctuation. So if you gave me one Bitcoin for, you know, setting up a company for you, I'd have to tra- trade it or uh, exchange it on the markets today. Okay. On the spot markets today. Um, if you were accepting um, crypto sort of in an escrow situation where you're holding it in trust for the client, then you would treat it um, with the same safeguards as you do any other kind of property for the client. Um, but then for services rendered already and um, kind of you know, payment that's for, for not something that, that's being done in advance, but that's something that's already been done, um, then you're free to, to accept crypto as you will. And I have to share the story, but yeah. I mean, I, um, I probably should have accepted a lot more crypto than, than I have in the past being in the space for this long. Um, but I did, uh, I did accept about $5,000 for um, some contracts that I put together, some other legal work, uh, probably three years ago. And um, as you, you probably are aware, you know, we had this, this in- incredible rise, this uh, bullish market in the last six months or so, probably because of DeFi summer that happened last year. Um, but I totally forgot about this, this hard wallet, crypto wallet that I had. Um, and I had opened it up. I think it was in probably before the, the Bitcoin cra- crash, but like yeah. it was up to $65,000, um, the equivalent of $65,000. 
Now it's trading at about between twenty nine and thirty one thousand dollars. So I had opened it up before I think this before May, um, and there was forty plus thousand dollars sitting in there from that five thousand dollars that I accepted for, oh. <laughs> for legal services. So if the question is, you know, whether you should consider um, playing around in this space, I would say absolutely so. Um, and there's enough kind of definitive guide guidelines from the bar, from your state bar, from the ABA that sort of give you, you know, kind of safeguards in, in how to operate in this space. Yeah. So, uh, you know, non-legal question and total disclaimer, like you are not a financial advisor in any way. Like this is all your opinion, but like if a lawyer is going to start exploring, <laughs> you know, maybe accepting crypto, like which crypto would you recommend to start with? You know, Bitcoin, <laughs> Ethereum, you know, I don't think really anyone's still taking Dogecoin seriously, you know, like. Wh- but you can. <laughs> you can for sure. Yeah. I well, certainly have clients that are issuing meme tokens and, yeah. um, they're doing really well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a financial advisor and I'm not a, you know, I wish I was a more savvy trader than I am because, you know, I would probably even consider leaving the practice of law and setting up some kind of a fund (laughs) with all of that money that I could have made. Um, but I would say, I would say probably kind of the, there's a lot of stability in, in potential stability in the long term, right? It's a long-term game, right? So you can't really be affected by, these fluctuations and going in and out. So um, as long as you're going into the, into this field with that mindset and diversifying, I think that's, that's really been the message from different financial planners that it's a solid um, asset class, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or if you want to play with altcoins, but it's, you know, it should probably take up about 5% of your portfolio. So I would, I would recommend those. And then stable coins as well are, you know, a relatively safe bet. So USDC and USDT, um, and there are other safe, uh, stable coins. And I think that we'll see regulation in, on that side probably a lot quicker than uh, than anywhere else. So Yeah, awesome. Well, I think that's going to kind of start to wrap things up here. Um, this has been a lot of really good information. Um, I, I mean, it clicks for me. Hopefully it clicks uh, a little bit for all of you out there. If not, go back and listen to it again. And, and I think and- it'll click for you. And, and this is such a hot and interesting yes. practice. I mean, if you're really risk averse, um, you should probably, you know, kind of circle around it. But yeah, um, but you ha- you have to have somewhat of a, a risk tolerance to to advise in this space because there are a lot of unknowns. So as long as you feel comfortable uh, being uncomfortable, <laughs> then this is it's a really fun place to be in, and you feel you know, in advising clients, like you're really influencing the direction of, of, of the law and sort of, it's really a combination of, um, you know, the intersection of law and technology and innovation. And it's, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. I mean, and uh, the U S is, um, I think, uh, you know, a great place to be for that. I know that <laughs> not everybody agrees, but I think, you know, ultimately that's what we you know promote is is innovation and so to the extent that we can keep it here and not drive it out i think that's really important yeah so we always ask one final question before we wrap things up and that is if you had one piece of advice for our attorneys out there what would it be oh gosh um uh, my piece of advice would be you know to to play in areas where where you don't necessarily feel comfortable, and I already gave the the example of you know taking five thousand and then get, 
expectation of it turning into 40,000. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm a pretty entrepreneurial attorney in, in a lot of ways. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say take uh, um, calculated risks and, and don't be afraid because it's moving. And if you are left behind, then it's probably not going to be to your advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty cautious and conservative person, you know, 5% in a portfolio to me doesn't sound like a whole lot. And even, you know, all of the potential uh, growth and change that could come with cryptocurrency becoming even more and more widely accepted. Like, I, I feel like the right now, at least there's so much more potential than drawbacks for just kind of exploring it, educating yourself, you know, at least, you know, if cryptocurrencies disappear tomorrow, like you at least have the knowledge of like what was going on and, and understand what this was. And and if it keeps exploding and it becomes a universal global thing that, you know, and we somehow just get rid of paper money and all of that, then you are up at the front and, and able to help lead everyone else along. So I, I, I totally agree. I really do appreciate you taking some time uh, to come and talk with us today. Thank you so much for having me. And I would say just as final last words, I don't think cryptocurrency is going anywhere. No. So <laughs> not at all. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And um, to the, to the listeners and the viewers, um, please feel free to reach out. Yev at launch-legal.com. If you have any questions as to how to incorporate crypto or blockchain into your practice, um, or would generally like to collaborate on anything from NFTs to crypto to DeFi or otherwise, please feel free to reach out. Yes. And I will put uh, your contact information in the show notes. So please definitely reach out there because I'm sure you guys have a ton of questions uh, after this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for continuing to rate and subscribe uh, on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you're checking out the show. And that's going to do it for us this week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.